Welcome into episode 159 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR Podcast Network. The Sources Say Podcast is, as always, presented by our good friends at Justice Dental. You can make an appointment at one of two Lexington locations. That's on Wellington Way and Blazer Parkway. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Remember that regular dental appointments are important for your overall health. You can learn more and make an appointment at justicedental.com. Dr. Justice and Dr. Thompson look forward to seeing you soon. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again by the one and only Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you i'm doing fantastic jack how are you i am doing just swell sean we uh are coming off of kentucky's monstrous win over the alabama crimson tide on saturday afternoon they defeat them 90 to 81 it was an amazing performance comeback effort they're down 13 points in the first half come back to win by nine uh just an impressive shooting performance from kellen grady you get a standout 21.14 rebound effort from oscar shibway uh keon brooks has another 18 point performance jacob toppin plays very very well uh 13 points, six rebounds, three assists uh, as that kind of secondary forward role. So a lot of really, really positive stuff to happen in that matchup. But, Sean, uh, as we talked about on the show, it's not going to get any easier. Kentucky has the LSU Tigers coming up on Wednesday night. Another very weird time performance, a uh, Wednesday night, 9 p.m. on ESPN. Uh, I think this is the last Wednesday night game of the season but Sean just um, some early takeaways of the LSU Tigers uh, they they fell the first time around down in Baton Rouge 65 to 60 it was a really bizarre performance a lot of injury issues with again Xavier Wheeler and Ty Ty Washington something that Kentucky is currently dealing with now uh, just kind of uh, what how has your mind changed at all on LSU in the couple weeks it's been since we've played them and uh, uh, your thoughts going into this matchup a uh, completely different team uh, on Kentucky's end. And, you know, they, they didn't have Ty Ty and Savir down the stretch there in Baton Rouge. But even though that they possibly might not have those guys tomorrow night at Rep Arena, this is a better version and more equipped Kentucky team to handle that now six weeks later. They've, they've been through those situations now. They beat Alabama without those guys. They've played without one of them at different times. They played with them at full strength. Like, this is a more prepared Kentucky team facing LSU this time around. Uh, it will be a challenge. LSU is still really good in Ken Palm and defensive efficiency. They're number three. That offensive efficiency, though, where Kentucky faced Alabama Saturday and Alabama was able to put up some points and then score 81, number 11 in offensive efficiency for the Crimson Tide. LSU is only 106 in Ken Palm and offensive efficiency, so it's going to be a little bit different element there where you got a team coming in that kind of struggles to score it on their own, but they're really elite defensively. And uh, But Kentucky having those reps, having those minutes to play without Ty Ty Washington and Xavier Wheeler, if they're both out tomorrow night, that will have prepared them to be ready to handle this. Plus, they've been able to have three or four days of preparation. They had an extra day this week to uh, to rest up and get ready for LSU tomorrow night. Yeah, that's exactly what we talked about coming out of the Alabama game. Uh, one of the biggest takeaways that we had was 
uh, that, yeah, Kentucky has struggled quite a, a bit whenever they've been without their two leading ball handlers and distributors and, and playmakers. Um, and, and that started, Sean, down in Baton Rouge in this first matchup. That's where we kind of got that first stretch. They scored three points in 11 minutes there in the second half, one of the most uh, just mind-blowing, mind-numbing, frustrating performances we've seen from the Cats this year. Uh, just that they're – inability to score the basketball when they didn't have either their two lead guards and that was really worrisome because uh, you know that was kind of the start of Xavier Wheeler's issues and we saw uh, Ty Ty Washington he's been dealing with injury issues kind of pretty much ever since then it's been tough for him to kind of find his groove and, and get back to full strength since then as well so that was kind of the start of it now here we go again uh, you you did get the the preview performance of what this team looks like without those two, but again, uh, it, it you would much you would much rather prefer have both of them healthy going into this, or at least one of them. But uh, Sean, I, I, it doesn't appear that we're inching closer toward that. John Calipari said on his Colin radio show that he's still going to stay uh, with that mindset of if they're not one hundred percent, he's going to hold them out. So uh, again, it's going to be another very tough task against a, a hard-nosed, defensive-minded team that uh, uh, really gave Kentucky fits that first time around, Sean. Yeah, and, and if those two aren't able to go, it just tells me the confidence that John Calipari has in his team right now. And I, I don't think that you could see it in the video that Kentucky put up today on Twitter, the, the look back and kind of the behind-the-scenes look, that win versus Alabama. Cal was confident that his team was going to go in there and find a way to win. I think he's confident that they could do that again at Rupp Arena versus LSU. And, Jack, we may look back here in a few weeks and say, let, let's just assume that neither one of those two play tomorrow night. I think you're, it would certainly help if you could get Savir back at least. I think Tata for sure is going to be a no-go, but it would certainly help if you could get Savir back and get some paint touches from him. But we're going to look back here in a couple of weeks. Let's say that they're able to get this win tomorrow night shorthanded. And we're going to say Kentucky was better because they went through the stretch. They Guys had to step up and make bigger plays. Kellen Grady had to be a little selfish and take some shots. Uh, Keon Brooks had to get himself going again. Jacob Toppin emerging. Davion Mintz taking on a big role. Like They showed a lot in that win versus Alabama. And I think that Cal's a confident coach right now that he knows just make it to March. We're going to be at full strength. And then we're going to be able to beat anyone in the country. But being at Rupp Arena the last two games is going to help this team a ton. Being in that environment again tomorrow night, even if they're shorthanded, those fans can carry them and win them a basketball game in that building if they get that same atmosphere they had Saturday. Yeah, I think that was one of the biggest takeaways that we had after that game. It was, uh, for my money, the most impressive performance that we've seen from uh, the Big Blue Nation all season long. Again, I didn't see that Tennessee matchup, and I, I guarantee you that was up there. But goodness gracious, what a, what an impressive performance uh, from, from them. And, and just from start to finish, basically, during that run, they willed them to victory uh, that last five minutes of the first half and basically the entirety of the second half. It was just an unbelievable uh, effort. We, everybody was standing on uh, standing and clapping and cheering and screaming at the top of their lungs. And that, uh, I think, if, you, if there was uh, any positive takeaway of – uh, Kentucky possibly being without its two lead guards again, I definitely think it's the fact that they're playing at home because, Sean, if, if say the two games, these ne next two games were reversed, the matchup against at, at Arkansas and then at home against LSU, if those two games were reversed and we were going down to Arkansas now and playing tomorrow night, I don't think Kentucky goes down and wins that game without their two lead guards. I think that this is one final game uh, playing at home, 
uh, if it's without both of those guys playing without playing without them. Um, in this rowdy environment at home for the Cats, I think that's going to be what wills them to victory if that's how it unfolds. Um, but I, I just don't think that they'd be able to pull it out if, if the games were switched. No, they they need to make it to Saturday and, and get healthy by then. And I, and I think there would be a good chance, right, that, that both of those guys would at least be talked about possibly playing because then you'd have almost two weeks off. Uh, if they can get through this game at home tomorrow night, it sets up a massive matchup to close the week at Arkansas. But – this LSU team, Jack, you, you kind of pull up what they've done this year, and I'm just looking at their net and where they've been. So they started off great in SEC play. Obviously, they lost at Auburn, but then they got wins versus Kentucky, Tennessee, and Florida back-to-back. Then they lost six of seven. The only win in that stretch was A&M, and then they beat A&M again. Mississippi State and Georgia, they, they this is a team that really hasn't beat a good basketball team in quite some time. And, you know, they're wanting to get this one tomorrow night. Kentucky possibly being shorthanded. They close with Kentucky, Missouri, Arkansas, and Alabama. There's a lot of shakeups still to play out in the SEC standings. I mean, you have a lot of teams right there in the middle of the pack that could go either way. Like, uh, I was looking at it the other day and how many teams could go from like fourth to eighth and from eighth to fifth, depending on what happens maybe in the final week of the season. That SEC tournament bracket, it's not even close to being set with two weeks to play. Yeah, and that's what we talked about on our post-game show on Saturday night was, man, with Auburn losing at the top, and I know we were just talking about kind of in that middle middle ground, but things are shifting back and forth at the top, too. This is a really tight race there with Tennessee losing at Arkansas and then Auburn losing on Saturday at Florida as well. I mean, these last two weeks, Sean, I mean, they can really flip things up. With Auburn losing, things are now very much in play for uh, Kentucky maybe fighting back and, and it, at least at the very least getting a co uh, co-regular season title you could have if Kentucky and Auburn slip up you could have Arkansas and Tennessee jump up in, into the rankings there I mean this is a uh, I mean you have basically four teams fighting for one spot w- w- within two game two wins of each other uh, Auburn at 12 and two in the conference Kentucky at 11 and three in the conference and Arkansas and Tennessee both at 10 and four Sean there's a lot of movement up top there uh, potentially coming as well and, and I mean that's you know we're talking about you know dreaming big staying that number one seed line for Kentucky and all that but uh, I mean it's going to be a fight, and and it it won't life won't be any easier when you when you have a team like LSU coming into town. I know the resume hasn't been great recently; they've uh, really struggled in SEC play. But man, this is still a tough, tough team to go up against when you're uh, kind of right there, neck and neck with a lot of the the powerhouses yeah. in the SEC. Yeah, and in the bigger picture of things too, like every night that you're in the college basketball world right now. Like, everybody had eyes on Baylor last night, especially if you're a Kentucky fan. You were watching that game with Oklahoma State closely thinking, okay, is Baylor going to drop? Will Kentucky climb? Does that help Kentucky for a possible one seed? Every game matters this time of year. And it's – it's. I mean, it's just viewed differently when you get to late February. Like, a loss in December, you can say, okay, there's a ton of time now to make that up. A loss right now, it kind of reflects it immediately, and there's you you see it on Lenardi's projections. Somebody will drop two or three spots. Somebody will climb two or three spots. So Kentucky has an opportunity to get another quad one win. That would improve them to seven and five in the quad one with still two quad one regular season games to play, plus a couple there. The one in Vandy, can it climb enough? It's still, I think, 78, 79 the net, depending on what happens to Vandy. Uh, Vandy actually plays – who do they play? Do they play – Alabama, if I'm not mistaken. Is that who they have? 
Um, <laughs> let me. Schedule. They play Alabama tomorrow or tonight at 9 p.m. Yes. Alabama tonight, and that one is at Vandy. If Vandy could get that one, it would help their net, and Kentucky possibly gets another quad one victory. I've been paying attention to that one for a couple of weeks, but that's what this is to me. You're you possibly won't be at full strength. I'm, at least I'm going to assume that one of those guys will be out, maybe both of them. You're going into your your home gym. You have a chance to get another quad one win. That's what I'm looking at. Build your resume. Just find a way to win. Get to Arkansas on Saturday for a, a game that it's going to be super tough to win. Uh, Arkansas and, and Bud Walton Arena, a place where some other teams have gone and lost. If, if you can go there and get a win, that looks really good on your resume as well. Just build your resume. Take it game by game. Get to March. Get that SEC tournament healthy. That, that's all I'm looking at tomorrow night is can they continue what they did on Saturday? Can some of those guys like a Jacob Toppin continue to play well? Can Keon Brooks continue to do his thing? Does Grady continue to to take some shots? And I mean, some of the shots he took Saturday, Jack, he hadn't even attempted those this year. The step back threes, the, the ones that were contested, the sidestep and all, all that stuff. Let him take some more shots. How interesting was it, too, last night that Cal said on his radio show everything that we've been saying on this podcast for the last few weeks when we get asked, does Kentucky need to run more stuff for Kellen Grady? Even Cal said it last night that if you run something for him, other coaches are good enough and teams are good enough to stop it. Kellen gets his stuff in the flow and in the rhythm of the game, and that is something that has been standing out on film for now a month or two. They don't really call his number a lot. He just gets his within the flow, but he actually got his own three or four times against Alabama. I want to see him do that the rest of the year. Yeah, and I had a question that kind of came up after we talked on Saturday. It was during my Sunday morning radio show. I was just thinking, man, I can't believe that Alabama didn't press and try to force the issue all that much defensively, knowing that – Kentucky's two lead guards were were out and 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 really didn't try to make them all that uncomfortable. And I know that's a style that that's just kind of who Alabama is. They're not going to force the issue defensively. They are absolutely an offensive gear team. They you know a run and gun. They they they'd rather beat you ninety to to eighty versus you, you know getting to a rock fight in that you know fifties and sixties. So. My question for you, Sean, is are you concerned that LSU saw that tape and saw how little they did to Alabama did to, um, you know, not force the issue and, and really let Kellen Grady get to his spots, let Davion Mintz kind of get into that half court, didn't pressure full court and, and make them uncomfortable really at all? Are you concerned that uh, with potentially no backups to work with in the backcourt that LSU can throw? Uh, I know they, they threw some kind of exotic stuff at them last, last time around. Do you think that this could be a game that uh, seeing what they saw against Alabama that they, uh, again, try to throw some exotic things at them and really try to make uh, those two uncomfortable and kind of change the whole dynamic of, of what Kentucky's able to do because of their lack of, of you know, kind of ball handling? Well, when you look at these two games, and let, let's go back to Alabama and then, and then talk about this one. I'll, I'll explain my reasoning for what I'm about to say. I, I was more concerned with this one tomorrow night than I was the one on Saturday, if they were going to be without both those guys, which we didn't know that until tip-off. But once that game kind of went along, and then post-game, and you got the comments saying that they could be out another game or two, then I started thinking, okay, Kentucky, to me, was better equipped to beat Alabama than it was to beat LSU. And the reason is, Jack, Alabama played right into what Kentucky wants to do. Kentucky wants to get out and run. They want to play fast. 
Alabama taking those threes. It led to some transition opportunities. LSU's game plan tomorrow night at Rupp Arena should be to slow this thing down and grind it out. Because can Kentucky, without its point guards, grind out possessions in the half court against a team that is in the top three in Kim Palm's defensive efficiency? That is the thing that I'm watching tomorrow night. Kentucky needs to get out and transition, get some easy buckets. If you remember that matchup down there, I think Grady struggled to even take to hit a shot in the first half from three-point range, and then he kind of got going there early in the second half, and they built a lead. Do they try to take him away? Is it kind of you do not help off of him, period? I think that's what their approach should be. Uh, but to me, can Kentucky grind it out and do some things in the half court? Because I think LSU and Will Wade, I think they're going to want this game to be in the 60s, and it'd be like a 66-62 game like it was in Baton Rouge. If this thing gets up into the 70s, I don't think LSU can score enough with Kentucky. No, that's been their biggest downfall all season long. And, and to go on uh, your point about Kellen Grady, yeah, he was uh, 0 for 7 in the first half, 0 for 6 from 3, uh, and then open the second half. He hits four straight three-pointers. Uh, that's what gave Kentucky its first lead of the day and kind of changed the, the, the tide from there. Uh, and then, of course, they go on that stretch where – um, Kentucky scores three points in 11 minutes that really just killed. I mean, but, sh- go for this it. is the time where Kentucky has the revenge factor too. Absolutely. Like they, they went down there and, and that's one where you look and you say, okay, we were the better team. We should have won that game, even though we had the injuries. And if you remember, they made a run at it with Mintz and Grady and Oscar in that group late in the game. And then they had the turnover. You had the, should he have called a timeout? Should he not have called a timeout? Uh, discussion there. Kentucky gave itself a chance to win that game. I think that the revenge factor is going to be there for Kentucky to to go out and, and make a statement. If you go out and you look good and you win this one by double digits, it probably changes the way the committee views the first matchup. You know, they, they didn't have those guys down the stretch. You lost a close one. You regroup six weeks later. Kentucky is clearly the better team, possibly without those same two guards. It just about wipes out the loss in Baton Rouge. And another key player that I guess we should uh, keep an eye on as well, uh, while a lot of stuff was going quite poorly for the Cats in that first matchup, Jacob Toppin had one of his best games of the season. Uh, he finished with 14 points, eight rebounds, two assists, two steals, and a block in 27 minutes. So, Sean, that is a guy that I th- I thought emerged as a clear uh, instant impact type guy at the four position against Alabama, uh, you know, spent some time at the three, but primarily at the four. Uh, I think he played his best game of the year, but his, I think one of his other best games of the year was this LSU matchup. So uh, I think the fact that he was able to build some confidence in that Alabama game uh, and, and, you know, kind of find his footing a little bit going into this matchup again, where he already found uh, a lot of success that first time around. I think if, if things go a little stagnant with the offense, if they, uh, you know, make Kentucky's primary ball handlers a little bit uncomfortable, Kellen Grady and Davion Mintz. I, I think that Jacob Toppin is that guy uh, that he knows how to score against him. He he knows how to find a lot of success against him. I, I He's kind of my sneaky uh, keep a close eye on if, if things go a little bit stagnant and, and Kentucky struggles to put points on the board. Uh, I think he's going to be the guy that steps up. I could see it. He had a really good stretch there in that game in LSU, and that, that's where he really got going. And then he's had some really good games since. And the last three games for him have been very good. I thought he played well at Tennessee. I thought he played great at South Carolina before he got hurt. And then obviously he had a really good game on Saturday versus uh, Alabama. So that is a very that's a very good pick to watch. And 
to see what he's doing. I love his impact. I think he's going to come up and make some big-time plays for this team in March. Uh, for me tomorrow night, Oscar Shibway needs to go out and just continue doing his thing. That could be your pressure release, especially in the half court. Give him the basketball. He's getting better at making quicker moves. I did thought I, I thought he made some really good moves Saturday against the length where he caught and he was the aggressor, got to the free throw line one time. Uh, he's the type of guy that he just has to make his moves quicker. When he gets kind of hesitant, that's when he doesn't get calls because the officials see that stuff. Uh, or he'll make a turnover, or he's not able to get over, get to that left hand or that right hand over top of length. But that's a guy that can take a ton of pressure off of you when you're missing your two-point guards, especially when you're playing a team that defends as well as LSU does. But most of all, I want to see Kentucky defend it on its own end. Get some stops. Let that Ken Palm number climb. Some of those stops lead to transition baskets. Get you some easy buckets in the open floor. And then you can kind of overcome not having your two guards. But this is going to be a different defensive challenge for Kentucky. Alabama gives up 80, gave up 90 to Kentucky without its top two guards. I don't think LSU is going to give up 90 to UK tomorrow night. Kentucky needs to to be a goal to get to about 74 to 75. If they do that, I think they win the game by 10 plus. If this game is in the 60s, LSU is going to have a chance again, just the way they did at Baton Rouge. Kentucky has to, this might be the one where they have to grind it out without their top two guards. If they do that, it'd be a very impressive win. Yeah, and looking at the the last matchup, Tari Eason, who is, who is LSU's leading scorer, he led the way for the Tigers last time around, 13 points on four of nine shooting, five or five for seven from the free throw line, had six rebounds, uh, three assists, uh, and a block. So that that's kind of the only guy that really hurt Hurt Kentucky really. Murray went for ten. Pinson went for eleven. But uh, I mean, it was kind of a just an ugly rock fight from start to finish that uh, just didn't swing in Kentucky's favor. So you, I mean, that's kind of been a recurring theme for this team all season long, especially the last couple of weeks. They cannot go on long droughts again without scoring. You got to find a way to 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 get something. You go to your you know safety net as you said with with Oscar Sheway. That's a safety net. You know he's going to go get you two or at least get draw foul Keon Brooks uh, uh, you know kind of attack the issue go draw a foul go to the free throw line if if shots aren't falling you got to figure out a way to keep that mo- momentum moving forward Kentucky cannot continue to go on these long droughts uh, of five six seven as many as 11 minutes without scoring a basket because that's another recipe for disaster you you got to figure out a way to put the ball in the basket you don't got to score a hundred but they, they have to find continued success keep chipping away if things uh, go get a little out of hand and uh, uh, I think that uh, the, the Alabama matchup was definitely a, a positive sign moving forward because they did go through one of those droughts and then they were able to put together a run of its own and, and really kind of shift that momentum back. But uh, droughts, mo- scoring droughts is, is this team's absolute Achilles heel right right now and my biggest worry uh, undoubtedly going into postseason play. Yeah, and that's a game last time where Keon Brooks only had two points in that loss for Kentucky. And then Oscar Shibway had eight and 13. I think those, both of those guys are due for a bigger game this time, especially Oscar, uh, Oscar. I, I could see if, if he gets to that 15 point 14 rebound game, it doesn't have to be an unbelievable game, but I mean, how, how crazy is that to say that 15 and 14 is not an unbelievable game, but, <laughs> but here, here we are. But if he gets to those numbers and then Keon does his thing and, and continues to stay confident with that mid range jumper and grabbing some offensive rebounds, run the floor in transition, uh, I think Kentucky's going to find a way to win tomorrow night. I, I think that they they know what's at stake. I know I've been saying that every game now for a month, but it just feels like this team, they know who they are, regardless of who's in or who's out. 
They know what their identity is. Roles do change with those two guys being out. More people have to step up. Uh, you might have to get a little more from the bench. Maybe Lance Ware this time plays 8, 10, 12 minutes if, if needed. Uh, do they run him and Oscar together at times? I, I could see it, and I think we've seen enough that you could do that for three or four-minute stretches as long as you're not in the midst of a scoring drought. Uh, but I, I think this team's going to find a way to win. I think this team's going to continue finding ways to impress and uh, just get to march, get healthy into that SEC tournament. But I, I think Kentucky's going to win one at Rupp Arena tomorrow night, and I have no idea if those two guys will be out. I don't, I don't know if one of them is going to play. Regardless, I think Kentucky has enough. I think they're good enough. They're going to get another big win at home. Yeah, Calipari said uh, that today's practice would determine that. We talked to Coach O earlier today, and he, you know, joked, "I haven't seen him yet." You know, it's kind of been a, a running dad joke amongst the the Kentucky coaching staff. So, uh, ha ha. But we still have no idea if either of them will play. But Coach Cal said today's practice would would decide if uh, either of them or both of them would play or not play. So that uh, that's definitely something to keep a close eye on if uh, you, we have any leaks or rumblings about uh, if or how well uh, both of those players per- participate in practice today. That's definitely going to be a uh, key moving forward as we uh, prepare for this matchup. Before we get out of here, Sean, I did want to address a monstrous, monstrous story that came out on Sunday uh, that could really, really ch- kind of change the entire dynamic of Kentucky's season next next year, uh, and that is Oscar Shibway being declared uh, eligible to receive NIL deals, sign NIL deals. Uh, the, the, four, the federal legislation has not changed. It's not like the law changed for uh, that student visa where they were able to, to start making money off that. But I guess there was a loophole that allowed um, – they fought with the NCAA. They fought with a bunch of different people. They were contacting UK. They contacted compliance. They uh, basically went through all of the channels and finally found a solution that would allow Oscar Sheway to start making money through NIL immediately. And Sean and Kyle Tucker, the athletic, put out a tremendous story. Talked to uh, Oscar's agent, his NIL agent, about you know kind of how the deals are working out, some of the the process behind all of it, uh, and said, Sean, if he uh, were to come back next season for his senior year, that he already has a multi-million dollar. NIL deal lined up, basically uh, hoping to convince him to come back to school. So, Sean, just A, the overall impact of what Oscar Sheway being able to earn NIL money uh, immediately means, uh, just kind of how, you know, a kid that absolutely deserves it, just what, what it means on that front. But uh, even bigger picture, what the possibility of, of Oscar Sheway possibly returning in, in 2022, 2023 could mean for this program. Very deserving. He he deserves everything good that happens to him. And, you know, I watched it Saturday, him sign autographs again, and, and you saw the rubber in the security guards. I'm, I'm hoping that they were told to do that. I'm hoping that they just didn't do it, but they, they hurried people out of the building. Oscar didn't get to sign and didn't get to take pictures with every single person waiting. I'm hoping that was their orders to do that. Yeah, I'm hoping that they just didn't do it themselves. Uh, but you saw Oscar in that story come out and say that he plans to continue to sign things for free for fans and for kids. And, and that's who Oscar Sheboy is. But when it comes to the basketball program at UK, there is, to me, it makes more sense for Oscar Sheboy to be in Lexington next year than it does anywhere else now. Because I think that there's potential to earn a lot of money 
you know, that multi-million dollar, how much is multi-million? I, I could see it being 2.5 to 5 million, Jack. Yeah. I mean, you're talking Kentucky's most marketable piece. Uh, the most, I think the most polarizing player in college basketball right now is Oscar Sheeboy. You have you have kids out here grabbing rebounds now in youth basketball games and counting their rebounds, not their points, because of Oscar Sheeboy. Every fan base, every team in college basketball, they, they know who Oscar is. I've talked to Tennessee fans. I've talked to a couple of other fans, and, and they all say, man, I love watching that guy play. And that's the type of piece that Kentucky has here. And when it comes to the NIL era and how much money he could make, I don't even think that you you cap it. I, I have no idea how much money that guy can make. If And it's at the perfect time, right? You get this March run right here, and you get it to see a little bit about what it could do and the impact. A full season at Kentucky, that, that young man could earn a lot of cash. And regardless of what he does, I think he's going to play in the NBA at some point. I don't know what that role will be or how long that career will be or where he'll be drafted, but he could change his life with this in the next few months to a couple years. It completely changes his life. And I just think that there's it just makes a ton of sense for him to be wearing that 34 jersey with Kentucky across his chest next year. Selfishly, I hope it happens, and I think there's a really good chance it happens now because of this. That That's my biggest thing is, A, from the start, it, it's a kid that deserves it more than just about anybody else out there. It's a kid that uh, has a whole lot that, that he needs. You know, th- there's a lot out there now about the, his home conditions back in the Congo and uh, his his pe- mom's living conditions, his, his family, uh, that this is a kid that all he wants was – all he wanted this entire time was uh, just a, a, an opportunity to – Get them on their feet. Get them out of uh, out of that situation. Give them appropriate housing and and kind of you know, just you know support his family. And that's a uh, uh, as expected for a guy like Oscar, who is one of the most high character kids I've ever come in contact with. With this job as a fan, uh, this kid is is second to none in terms of that stuff. So it doesn't shock me at all that as as big as his the his only real push for doing this he doesn't care about you know having a uh, driving a nice car and all that of course he deserves it and he'd like that but uh, the his big push behind this was to support his family and that's something that uh, was made very clear and that's that was the the big push behind all of it so that in itself is phenomenal so proud of him so glad that he's able to do this but from a basketball perspective the fact that this is happening now sean where it's the peak of college basketball season, the height of interest for Kentucky basketball. Uh, postseason play is about to be here. Your, your you know, SEC tournament, you're going to go into the NCAA tournament. Kids are going to be wanting T-shirts as they go to all these games. This is prime, prime real estate area for uh, you know kids getting shirts and, and autograph signings and po- photos and all that stuff. So uh, if there was ever a time to kind of just get a taste of how much he could earn in a full season, it's now. Now is the perfect opportunity uh, on Kentucky's perspective. Like, look, if you were able to make X number of dollars right now in over the course of a month and a half, imagine what you're going to be able to do over the course of an entire year from you know, the time you return on return to campus in, in the summer all the way through you know the following March or April. You know, things could get really, really expensive very, very fast for him. 
Uh, and uh, I think that's definitely something that intrigues him. And, and Sean, look, this is a guy that his draft stock is what it is. It's something that we've talked about over and over again. Uh, he's a firm second-round pick at best. You just looked at, uh, I think, Sam Vicini with The Athletic put out his latest draft pick, uh, a mock draft, and had him at like 48, I believe, kind of that mid-second round pick. And that's the highest I have seen him anywhere. Every other mock draft I've seen him has been a, a firm undrafted prospect, maybe sliding in late, 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 late second round. So uh, the money in those rounds is, is in the hundreds of thousands, not in the millions of dollars. I believe uh, that multi-million quote that uh, his NIL agent had, if you look at the 2021 draft class and their rookie scales, I think uh, pick 22 in the first round is where that first year uh, salary I- exceeded that $2 million range. Everything below that, 23 on, was below that range. So he would have to be the 22nd pick in the NBA draft to get what he would be getting uh, at Kentucky next season. And Sean, He's not, he's not a, a top 25 draft pick. So uh, the fact that that's out there, it is now a basketball-only decision. This is not a decision that will be made because he needs the finances, because he needs the resources for his family. All of that stuff is now taken care of. He is able to make a decision that is best for him, that if he's ready to go pro, he wants to, you know, just from a pure bas- basketball perspective, I've had three years in, in college. I'm not going to get any better. I am what I am at this point. I'm ready to start uh, you know, trying out my professional career. Absolutely. I support that wholeheartedly, and if that's what he wants to do, by all means go for it but this will not be this will not be a decision made entirely off of finances and and dollar figures which is Sean my biggest takeaway and something that I appreciate the most out of all this he is able to make a decision for himself one that is what based on what he wants to do for his basketball future not about getting his family out of uh, you know that situation and getting them over to the United States so on and so forth he's able to do uh, what he wants to do for basketball reasons and basketball reasons only and I think that's what is the uh, most magical part of that entire story yeah and this has uh, been something too that if if nil had been a thing the last 10 years you you could probably count four or five six situations that would have ended differently for kentucky like a, a dakari johnson i think would have been at kentucky another year with an nil opportunity uh, that would have made a significant difference on the tower ulis jamal murray team that team probably is good enough to win a national championship if it has something to anchor the post just the same way that this presents Oscar an opportunity, like you said, to make a basketball decision, just taking finances out of it and making then a basketball decision. It, it changes the way that these kids think. And, and then I think Oscar is perfectly happy being at Kentucky. We've, we've heard him say it multiple times, how much he loves it. And, and uh, another season of Oscar Shibway and you're, you might see number 34, that Jersey hanging from the rafters one day, because uh, it, it's, it's crazy to think that the, the, He's up for national player of the year, but he's not popping up on first-round draft picks. And, and I know the NBA, the way the game is changing, it, it's more of a three-point shooting league, especially at that five position, more of a face-the-basket type of position now. But Oscar's doing things that I think will translate to the NBA, and he'll be a successful professional basketball player at some point. But now that there's NIL and these opportunities, he could make a lot of money and then change his life. And regardless of what happens in basketball beyond Kentucky, he could be set up with a year or two in Lexington. And I think that's the biggest talking point and selling point for him is that he could come back to UK, earn a lot of money, earn more money than a lot of guys that are in the NBA on second round draft picks. 
and uh, do it at a place that he loves playing basketball right now. Yeah, uh, this is uh, the, he doesn't strike me as a guy that's in any rush to leave. Uh, I had said this entire time I think that he was going to play himself into a draft pick, and once he got to that point, knowing that he wasn't able to make NIL money, uh, that once he kind of got himself firmly in that second-round pick, uh, I, I just didn't think there was any chance that, that we would get a, a second year of, of, of Oscar Sheboy. But the fact that it happened, the fact that it happened now where he's going to get that taste of – of NIL money at the peak of college basketball season and, and interest with Kentucky basketball. I, I just I don't see how this is anything but incredibly positive news for, for fans hoping that Oscar Sheboy comes back. I'm not saying it's a done deal. Again, maybe for basketball reasons he thinks he's ready to go pro, and if that's the case, by all means, we're, we'd support that decision. But goodness gracious, when you have a multi-million dollar deal on the table, I, I think he'd be able to make a, excess of $5 million. I do. I mean, just knowing what he brings to this team and uh, his his personality and all of that thing, I, I just I just don't know how a dude like that doesn't uh, just make an absolute fortune, which uh, I think if that's the case, I think it, it would make that decision a whole heck of a lot easier Um in, in terms of deciding whether to go pro or, or come back to school. So that in itself is fantastic. And, shoot, we've already talked about I think that uh, that Savary Wheeler is a guy that is, is leaning toward coming back now because of NIL opportunities, and he's making quite a, a, a solid chunk of change uh, here, and, and he knows that he'd be able to get that again coming back for his senior year as well. So, Sean, uh, say hypothetically speaking, you have your number one, penciled in and you have your number five penciled in in Savory Wheeler and Oscar Shibway. Let's hope that Shaden Sharp comes back. We're still not 100% certain on that, but say he comes back to, to be that three. Uh, you have you know Case and Wallace there at the two. You have Jacob Toppin there at the four, and if that's the case, that starting five, I think you can run this thing back and go all in on, on uh, your, your title hopes for next year as well. Maybe Keon comes back as well. I'd love that. Uh, you have C.J. Frederick coming back to full strength. You have Chris Livingston as a backup four, backup three option. You have uh, Sky Clark as, a, as a, a, a very strong point guard role player on this team. I mean, you go down the list, that's a roster that I think it, that Oscar was kind of that key missing piece. What are you going to do with that five? Because they did miss out on you know the Adem bonus of the world and the Derek Lylers of the world. What a way to respond by missing on those high-profile high school recruits than by potentially bringing back a, a National Player of the Year contender, Sean. Yeah, it, uh, it would be huge if you if you get that guy back in Lexington again and to go along with those pieces that you're talking about. I mean, the bulk of the roster could pretty much already be set. And if you get a guy like Oscar Shibway and, and then Lance Ware comes back and Damian Collins, you don't necessarily have to go add anybody from the transfer portal. When the season's over, you can kind of look at your roster and say, all right, we're set. Are, are we good enough to go? Uh, Shaden Sharp a part of that. Cason Wallace being there. Uh, we'll have a lot to talk about here in about six or seven weeks when this thing's done. But for now, we're going to talk about what this team is and what their their goals are for the rest of the year. And this is certainly one of the teams that is good enough to win a national championship. And I think they're going to be right there in the conversation for it in a few weeks. Yeah, absolutely, and we're going to be there for uh, along the ride, and we're going to keep on pumping out these shows and, and breaking it all down. So, Sean, let's uh, get out of here for the pregame episode. We're going to do uh, another mailbag question uh, episode tomorrow leading up to the game, give you guys as much content as you guys deserve leading up to that late tip-off, keep you guys awake, uh, You know, pour that cup of coffee, and then and – 
get uh, you know these two podcasts uh, downloaded and, and listened to. So uh, we'll we'll definitely pump those out and, and keep moving forward with this. So Sean, with that, let's get the heck out of here with one final uh, message from our friends at Prize Picks. The NBA season is well underway, and there isn't a better way to enjoy watching your favorite former Wildcats play than by playing daily fantasy with our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the simplest form of real money daily fantasy sports and just pits you against the numbers. Whether you're a fantasy sports nut or a casual basketball fan looking to add some excitement to the games, Prize Picks is the perfect game for you. You simply select two to five players and predict if they will go over or under their projection. Prize Picks gives you the chance to win 10 times your money for getting four or five predictions correct. Download the Prize Picks app or visit prizepicks.com using promo code PILGRIM. That's P I L G R I M to get an instant 100% bonus up to $100 on your first deposit. Don't forget that's the Prize Picks app or prizepicks.com using promo code PILGRIM to claim your bonus today and take your viewing of your favorite former Kentucky Stars to the next level. Sean, let's get you out of here. Where can fans find your work? You can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. You can find me on Twitter as well at JackPilgrimKSR. Reach out to me via email at JPilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. With that, we'll be back tomorrow for another Jam Packed Source to Say podcast. We will see you then. Yeah.